Somebody's praying for me. There's mighty hands that are guiding me to protect me from what I can't see. Thank you, Melinda. I've known Melinda since she was a teenager, maybe even a preteen. First out at uh, the Belton Restoration Branch, and then a little later at the uh, first few years there at Center Place Restoration School, where she was active in sports, and I happened to uh, announce basketball games. And uh, I remember at one of those games, I encouraged a young man on the boys' team to go uh, talk to, to Melanie, and so I, I take kind of a little bit of the credit that her last name is Holly. So. And if you don't, aren't aware of it, uh, she is the granddaughter of one of our members here, uh, Brother Ray. My c- 
call to worship today will be taken from the, the book of Lamentations. But before I read that, uh, uh, let me say, I remember a time when if you ordered something over the phone, uh, you were at the mercy of shipping delays. Uh, you just never were really all that comfortable with, this, with the thing arrived by the time that you needed, be it a holiday or whatever. Uh, now with next day and two-day guaranteed shipping, uh, we're accustomed to receiving things quickly. Uh, we live in a, a world uh, accustomed to instant gratifications, and waiting can be difficult. It still happens, so it can be frustrating. But in the spiritual realm, patience is still uh, uh, rewarded. When the, Book of Lament, when the Book of Lamentations was written, the Israelites were mourning the destruction of Jerusalem, and they faced many difficulties. However, uh, in the midst of the chaos, the writer of Lamentations was confident that God would meet his needs, and so he would wait on, wait on him. God knows we're inclined to be anxious when answers to our prayers are, are delayed. And from the third chapter of Lamentations, uh, starting in verse 22, it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, because his compassion fail not. They are new every morning, great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul, therefore I will hope in him. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him, to the soul that seeketh him. It is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. Let us turn to uh, hymn number 37. Oh God, our eternal Heavenly Father, it is in the blessed and holy name of Thy Son, Jesus Christ, we come before Your throne of grace at this hour and time to once again give praise and honor to His name. I pray, Father, that these Thy people have come in preparation to hear the Word of God spoken unto them under the Spirit, that they might be blessed this day, that they might have wisdom and knowledge to carry on in a world of grief and suffering and sorrow. Father, we praise you for your blessings. We praise you for those things that have beset us, that uh, cause us uh, weakness, but we become strong. For thou art our Lord and our Savior and our hope and our joy. We ask it in the holy and blessed name of that Son, even Jesus the Christ. Amen.
Good morning. What a great opportunity to give back to the Lord. I, uh, I'm very humbled to be here, and I thank you, and I think part of uh, tithing is actually coming to the house of the Lord and worshiping Him and honoring and praising Him. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we ask that uh, you might soften our hearts, Lord, and help us to uh, give charity and have that charity, Lord, in our hearts always. Help us to continue to give back, Lord. We ask that you would bless the monies that are collected today, and they would go to your will and let it be done, and that all of it would bring you honor and glory. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus Christ's name I pray. Amen. Every little baby comes into the world Reaching for an anchor with fingers tightly curled Grasping for a reason without knowing why We will cling to anything until the day we our report and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed for he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground he hath no form nor comeliness and when we shall see him there is no beauty that we should desire him he is despised and rejected of men a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed."
This uh, particular scripture verse I read to you from the 53rd chapter of Book of Isaiah. Many of you are probably familiar with it. I uh, every time I read it, and I didn't read the whole thing to you because I thought that'd be kind of long, but you should uh, you should get that out and read that whole chapter of 53. Uh, because I'm uh, in awe when I read it, and I think about the uh, the life and ministry and the death of our Lord, and uh, how the prophet Isaiah was able to uh, describe in such detail uh, that life and that ministry some 700 years before he came. And uh, like I said, I'm, I'm just awed by it that uh, he was able to do that. And uh, it's uh, as if he uh, could actually see it, and perhaps he did. Perhaps he did. We don't know uh, all the details. There are other prophets that have uh, seen the uh, Lord Jesus Christ in his ministry. And as you know, uh, Nephi um, was uh, given that opportunity because he wanted to have the vision that his father had. And he prayed about that. And the Lord granted that to him. And, uh, and he, uh, he saw the birth of our Lord, and he saw his life and the things that he did, and then he saw his uh, crucifixion. And there's one particular statement in that testimony that uh, kind of struck me as I was uh, preparing here for today, and that is what the um, the uh, uh, minister or the messenger of that uh, dream came and or vision came to Nephi, and he said. Uh, 
Knowest thou the condensation of God? Um, or not condensation, condescension of God. And um, uh, Nephi uh, uh, says uh, he, he does not know that. But uh, this thing that our Lord and Savior did uh, was uh, truly an act of love. Uh, when you think about it from the perspective that he was the Son of God and that uh, he, uh, he occupied uh, uh, this throne and uh, yet he uh, was made a little bit lower than the angels, it says. He came to earth uh, in human form to uh, experience uh, what we experience uh, and to suffer what we suffer from uh, pain and agony and sorrow uh, and uh, and then on top of all that, to know uh, he knew uh, where uh, this was leading of his uh, death and uh, his crucifixion. And so truly this was um, an act of love, uh, the condescension of God. He, he brought himself down lower. And the um, Apostle John uh, says this, that herein is love, Not that we love God, but that he loved us and that he sent his son to be the propitiation or atonement for our sins. And not that we loved him uh, in the first place, but yet that he looked down upon mankind, upon our sorrowful state, uh, upon uh, the uh, sins and the errors that we commit and the the times that uh, we have denied him and that we've turned away from him and pushed him away, and yet uh, he had this love for men, for each of us, that he was willing to uh, lay down his life. And as uh, Isaiah says uh, here uh, in his um, account in the 53rd chapter, that uh, he was humble, that he was weak, and that uh, he was uh, willing to submit to that which uh, the Lord, his God, his Father, would allow to come upon him. Uh, I didn't read the uh, later verse uh, here in that chapter. I think it's uh, 10 or 11. It says that it pleased the Lord to bruise him. Have you thought about that? That it pleased the Lord to bruise him. It it pleased him that to uh, for him to suffer these things because uh, that made uh, uh, that atonement, that gift that he was uh, giving, all that more um, important, all that more uh, sweet, if you will. And all of our sins, uh, the uh, punishments that we deserve, the uh, things that uh, that we have done wrong. Uh, as I said, all of those things were laid on him, upon his back, uh, as his burden to bear, so that we might not have to bear them, so that we might uh, be able to have that place one day, hopefully uh, in his kingdom. And so uh, what is it to us saints when you think about this, uh, the life of our Savior and uh, the the, uh, the difficulties that he had and how so many people turned their back on him and turned away and then he was scourged and he was beaten and he was mocked and he went all the way up that road to Calvary to the cross and then there he uh, suffered and died. What is it to us or what should it be to us that we should be perhaps like him even if in the least degree, that we should be humble that we should be meek, that we should be submissive? What is it that uh, we should uh, perhaps suffer a little? Because we all do, don't we? Some perhaps more than others, that we should suffer a little bit for the sake of the kingdom. It's not much in my mind that we, we should suffer considering the suffering of Christ. For the natural man is an enemy of God and has been from the fall of Adam and will be forever and ever. But if he yields to the enticings of the Holy Spirit and putteth off the natural man and becometh a saint through the atonement of Christ the Lord and become as a child, submissive, meek, humble, patient, full of love, willing to submit to all things which the Lord seeth fit to inflict upon him, 
even as a child does submit to his father. And so what is it, saints, that we should perhaps suffer a little for the sake of our Lord and our Savior? I was reading uh, this week a uh, testimony. Uh, so a couple of years back, I'm a little behind on my on my journals, uh, I take the witness and restoration voice and vision, and I tend to put them in a pile over here on my desk. And then when I uh, when things settle down and I don't have anything to do, I pull them out. So I'm a couple of years behind. But uh, this was in I think this was in uh, the witness. It was about a, a young lady, uh, her testimony. Uh, she uh, went with her husband uh, out uh, camping, and they were going to go uh, hike this mountain. And uh, it was uh, several miles uh, hike, and uh, as they uh, began to uh, ascend upward and into the mountain, uh, she uh, started to have difficulty breathing. And uh, I don't don't know much about her history uh, you know, being, being, of course, a doctor, you think, well, why is she having trouble breathing? But it sounds like she had asthma, maybe, but um, she, uh, nevertheless, she, she began to have trouble breathing, and, and she, she thought maybe it was the altitude that they were at. Uh, she, she really didn't know what the problem was, but needless to say, she, um, this, uh, this increased. It became worse. She, she had more and more uh, uh, difficulty felt like her chest was just tight, being squeezed. She couldn't couldn't get enough air into her lungs, and and so here she is. She's uh, maybe not even halfway through the hike, and um, uh, there are several miles from their uh, camp and several miles to go. Uh, she has a backpack on. Her husband was carrying a big a backpack that was. Uh, Twice the size, but she was carrying a pretty heavy one. And uh, what what do you do when you're up there in the uh, in the mountains hiking? Well, some of you could answer that. You you just press on, don't you? You don't you don't really have another choice. And so so she continued on. She uh, she she really started to struggle uh, here, and she was having trouble keeping up. And and finally, she she just got so out of air, she had to stop, and she. She literally just fell to the ground, and she would just she felt like she couldn't get enough uh, air into her lungs. And she, um, her husband came over and uh, you know asked what was wrong, and and uh, he said, "Well, I'll take your I'll take your backpack, I'll carry your backpack, and and I'll lead, and and uh, we have to if we just get up past this ridge here, I think that's where it starts going down." And so he actually ran up there to see and came back and said, yeah, this starts going down after this ridge and trying to give her a little bit of hope. And so she got up and she, uh, she pressed on. She kept going. And um, uh, her problem, unfortunately, did not get any better. She, she uh, continued to have difficulties. She was just having trouble keeping up at all with, with just walking behind him. And eventually, she was. Uh, they were able to get back to to camp, and there she just just kind of collapsed. She just sat down, and that's all she could do really the the rest of the day. And um, but but something dawned on her, and I, I left out a part here of the story that uh, was important, and and that was uh, that uh, they were going on this trip, and uh, she had been praying that uh, she might uh, be nearer to her Savior. Um, as you know, they, she thought this uh, would be very majestic up in the mountains and the, the sights that she would see and that they would get away from uh, uh, just people uh, in general and be out there alone. And, and she wanted to be near to him. She wanted to know him better. And... Um, and so here, uh, uh, unfortunately, the the hike and and this trouble breathing uh, put a big damper put a big damper on on that experience. But as she sat there, uh, now resting back at back at camp, she began to think to herself about the sufferings of our Lord, and began to think about his trek, uh, his journey. Up to uh, up Calvary, how he was carrying the cross, and uh, how she was carrying that backpack, and that she 
she couldn't breathe and she was struggling just to take one put one foot in front of the other and perhaps perhaps that's how the savior had felt in going up there uh, up the uh, road of Golgotha to to Calvary with carrying that cross and then and then there of course he was nailed to that cross and for those of you who know about crucifixion it's it's not the nails that that you die from but it's that you slowly suffocate you uh you have to pull yourself up to breathe and and he couldn't breathe and and she realized that uh, this experience this experience that she had this uh difficulty was that uh, so she could understand that uh, experience of our lord and our savior as he hung there on the cross as as every breath he took uh was in agony and with great difficulty and uh, she could relate to that. And so what is it, brothers and sisters, if we, uh, if we suffer a little? You know, I think sometimes about the, we, we all do this. We have the little pity party for ourselves. We think about, oh, why do I have to go through this? What is it if we suffer a little for the sake of our Lord and our Savior and, and His kingdom? And um, willing to submit, as the scripture says, I read to you, willing to submit to that which the Lord sees fit to inflict. And there's that, there's that word in there we don't like, isn't it? It's called submit. Submit. We don't like that word. We, uh, we don't like to have submit, uh, to be told uh, what it is that we need to do, to, uh, to give up our will to uh, uh, not be able to, to make those decisions. But you know, um, as the scripture says, as, as a little child uh, submits to their father, he, he wants us to submit to him. He does. He wants us to give up that will. And that's, and that's something very, very important uh, that, um, that we need to do. Uh, Jesus said, except you become as a little child, you cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. Not that uh, you'll have difficulty entering, or not that it might, be, it might be hard, or you'll have to do this or that, but you cannot, you cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven, except you become as a little child. And you know, I um, of course you all know I have three ch- three kids. They're all kind of getting grown up now. And uh, I thought about this about about little children. You know, what is it that the Lord sees in little children? And you know, the the, the small ones, the four year olds, five year olds, not not the ones who roll their eyes at you. Little children. What does he see? What does he see in little children? That, that he is so enamored with. You know, the, the Savior took them up in his arms and, 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 and showed his love to them and said, you know, accept you're as this little child. And um, he said that my, uh, their angels do always rejoice before my Father. There, there's something about these little children. And you know, when, you're, when you have little children... You see the downsides, don't you? You see the negative sides, and and even if you don't have children, perhaps you see those. And and I I pondered this thing: what about little children? You know, because when you're when you're standing in line, the checkout line there at Target, and they're having a meltdown, and you know everybody's looking at you, or actually what they're doing is they're trying not to look at you, you know, and you know they're all thinking. Well, at least I'm glad it's not my kid, you know. What is it about the little children? And, and I, I finally came to the realization that, that one of those things that the Lord just really prizes them is, is their innocence. Their innocence. You know, they, they, they don't have these preconceived notions, they're, the, the, um, the impure thoughts that you or I have uh, in our mind. They don't have an agenda, you know, an agenda that, that they've got. They're telling you one thing, but they really think something else. No deceit, 
You know, they just tell you the truth. They, they, they don't try to bend it or sway it. No guile. No guile. Like Nathan, you know, behold an Israelite in whom no guile. But this, this innocence. And, um, you know, you, you or I, when we meet someone and, and, uh, that we haven't met before, we, we immediately begin to kind of judge them, don't we? You know, we're going to put them in a box. They're going to go in this category. You know, it might be their personality. It might be the way they dress. It, it, may, just, it may be the way they look or the way they talk. And, uh, but we immediately start to judge them, to kind of critique them. And, and maybe we don't mean to do that. You know, that's just kind of human nature. But... But, you know, little children, if you've ever seen it, you know, just a stranger can just go and talk to them, pick them up, and they just love them, don't they? They just love them. That's what they feel in their heart. It's, it's, it, there's, uh, there's no holding back. Maybe some of us, you know, the parents, we're like, oh, don't talk to strangers. We don't, we don't want them to be that friendly, perhaps. But they just love them. And we, uh, we saints, we have to have that love within our hearts. And that's the love of our Savior has, our love of Jesus Christ. And, and not that he doesn't know things about us, because he obviously does. He knows things about us that, that we've forgot. And he knows our sins and our shortcomings and all of our errors. And yet all of those things, despite all of those things that are on his mind and readily apparent, before him, he loves us. He loves us before we loved him, as John said. He loves us enough that he'd be willing to give us life, that we'd have life. And that's the type of love that we need to have, that, that love of the Savior, love as a little child. And you know, another quality is, is to be believing to be believing. You know, if you tell little children things, uh, they, they, they just take your word for it, don't they? And, of course, we got a holiday coming up here that we, we all do that, don't we, in a couple months. But they, they, take it, they take it for face value, whatever it is that you tell them. And, and, of course, we don't do that. You know, everything that we're exposed to in life are... Our experiences and the things that people tell us and the things that happen to us, all of that runs through a filter, doesn't it, in our mind? You know, we compare it to our past experiences and the things that we know and we learn and, and we kind of filter out and we decide, are we going to believe it? You know, okay, hey, do I take this? Is this important knowledge? Is this truthful? Do I, do I tuck it away in my mind or do I just cast it off? And, you know, sometimes that's good, isn't it? You know, we, uh, if, especially like if there's a hot poker, you know, it's red hot and it's burning, you, you, you know not to touch it. But, you know, other times I think um, we'd, uh, we'd call it lack of faith, wouldn't we? You know, when our Lord tells us something and um, he wants us to do something. Or he wants us to say something and we run it through that filter and it's not coming out, it's not coming out in a positive way that we're ready to do it, that we're ready to believe, that we're ready to, to follow through. I think about Nephi, you know, he, um, his father said, uh, I've had a, I don't know if it's a dream or experience that you need to go back to Jerusalem to get the brass plates. And you know his brothers, Laban and Lemuel, they, oh, you know, they, Laban, or they're not Laban and Lemuel, Laman and Lemuel. Laban was the guy that had the plates. Laban, he's, he's a mighty man. They, they knew his, his reputation. He, he, can, he commands hundreds. He, he can slay hundreds. We can't go and ask him. He's not going to give us the plates. And what did Nephi say to them? Or what did he say at least to his father? I will go and do the thing that the Lord commanded because I know that he does not give any commandment save he prepares a way 
that it can be accomplished. Might be impossible. Might sound like something that, you know, well, there's, there's, I have no idea how this is going to happen. But I know because the Lord said it, that it will. It's like that testimony we heard uh, this morning. And I really appreciate that, Kay and Harry, for sharing that about that, that young man that was in the accident and, and he lost his eyes and his whole body was burned. And yet, the angel came and told his mother that he would live and that he'd be healed. And he was. And she believed it. She knew that that was what was going to happen. How often are we like that? We're skeptical. And you know, the Lord, He is able to do anything He wants. And if He wants to heal someone, He can do it. So we have to have faith. We have to have to be believing. Have to allow that spirit to to work within us to carry those words that we've received that come with the spirit to know that these are the words of the Almighty and to believe that they will take place. The impossible brothers and sisters, can come to pass through the faith of the saints. And we need to be forgiving. I still remember, of course, all of you could say this as well, when you've got kids, when they're small, and Christy and I would be sitting in the room, and out in the other room we'd hear them out there playing, and then pretty soon... There'd be screaming and yelling and crying and okay, and you go out there. Okay, what's wrong? What? Well, so and so, Emily hit me, or and okay, you know, Emily, you're not supposed to do that. Tell her you're sorry, and and then everything seems to settle down, and you okay. Well, I'm going to get back to my work over here, and then the next thing you hear is they're giggling and they're laughing and they're running around and chasing each other. As if nothing happened, right? Forgiving. Are we like that? Do we really forgive? Do we, or do do we, we forgive ninety percent, but we still got that ten percent? I'm not. I'm going to be a little leery of that person. They they did this to me one time. To be forgiving, as a little child. To be humble to be meek, to be submissive. And this is what the Lord requires of us, saints, is that we earnestly try to take upon us those qualities, those uh, attributes that we see in our little children, that we might be His children, children of the kingdom, children of our Heavenly Father, and you know, we um, this um, experience came to my mind when I was preparing here and I was thinking about this, and I think you'll see the, the connection is Brother uh, Joseph Burton, who many of you probably have heard of, and this is in 1878, and it was on a Sunday, and he said he was just, he was just in the spirit. On this particular day, this and it was just a pleasant spirit. His heart was just glad, and and he wanted to be alone with his Lord. And so he went out for a walk out in the out in the woods, and and he came out to a field, and it was there that the Lord showed him this vision. And in this vision, he said he saw the western side of Asia that there rose this great black cloud. And it, and it grew and it began to spread westward and it went across Europe and then it went over to the United States. This, and in this cloud he, he saw lightning and, 
and fire and uh, heard sounds of guns and and explosions and uh, and and he said it was fearful. It was fearful. It just made him uh, uh, his heart sink to think that this this thing was going on. And then he saw in the middle of that cloud in in the United States, the center of the United States, he saw a temple. And it was it was a large temple, it was facing west, and there on the northwest corner there stood a tall man. And uh and he said he's very pleasing to look upon. And then out of that temple came another man. And uh, he was led to know that this other man was, he was called a servant, or the servant. And the man walked down the steps and uh, came over to where that first man was standing. And there, uh, the, the first man gave unto him a large leaf. It was shaped kind of like a palm leaf, had uh, lots of kind of fronds going out from it, and and on each of those uh, branches, there were smaller little palm leaves on, on this. And, and then on his arm, he wrote, on the servant's arm, he wrote these letters or words, bind up the testimony, seal up the law. And then the servant went on his mission. He traveled out and uh, crying his message with a loud voice. And uh, Joseph saw him as he entered, he came to this town, and in this town he saw a crowd of men, and they had dark, threatening countenances, he said, and they were armed with guns, and they had knives and clubs and stones, and they seemed determined, determined to take the servant's life. But the servant, he, he, he had no fear. He, he just simply walked towards them, and as he came to the town where these men were, it was just like a way was parted between them. They, they moved aside. He says, Joseph says that it was like there was a, a chain that was, it was about waist high, and it was like six feet out, and it was just like there was this chain around him, and that none of these men could get any closer than that chain. They, they couldn't do anything to harm this man. And, and here the servant, he cried his testimony, bind up the testimony, seal up the law. And he went through them without being hurt. And he went through cities and towns and there were other uh, armed men. And uh, occasionally he would stop and he would uh, uh, meet other people. And these were the children. And the children were so glad to see him, and he would give them one of those palm leaves. And they were so happy, so excited to receive that. And following, Joseph uh, says that following this, uh, of him giving these palm leaves as he went on behind him, that war, famine, pestilence, and all manner of evils followed. There were fearful plagues, such that caused sudden death. Men who at one moment appeared to be in enjoyment of health, the next moment fell to the earth dead. And there were thunders and lightnings. Mountains were rolled and tossed. Cities were destroyed by earthquakes. He heard fire rushing and crackling going through towns and cities. And then he saw two angels. And they stood each with one foot on the sea and the other on the shore, one on the Atlantic and the other on the Pacific. And they had these long rods in their hand and with at simultaneously they brought their rods down and they touched the coast and they said, Thy bands are broken. Immediately after which there were towns and cities destroyed by tidal waves such as were never before, and land was covered with water. And then he heard in a clear, full voice from one mighty and strong the words, Come home, come home, the sound of which filled the whole earth and reverberated from the vault of heaven. But none of the inhabitants of the earth heard it except the children, those to whom the servants had given the leaf. 
and uh, and the uh, then he saw this servant. He journeyed back to the temple from where he started. He was weary and travel worn, and all she had in his hand was this skeleton of the stalk of that palm. And then he noticed many other servants returning, and he understood that the mission of each had been to stay out until he had given away all the leaves of his palm, one to each person who was worthy, which leaf was a passport to enter through the gate into the temple. And I thought of this um, experience uh, that's in Infallible Proofs, in case you want to get it out and read it. I thought of this experience uh, here uh, uh, because Joseph said he saw the servant that he gave this uh, palm leaf, which perhaps is the message of the gospel. Perhaps it's uh, the salvation of our Lord. It could mean a lot of different things, but he gives it to the children. And uh, how we're to become like little children, saints. And you know, the um, we've heard this uh, statement, but this came to my mind about how the world is ripening in iniquity. And you know, the thought came to my mind... Uh, uh, well, actually, I remember uh, Christy was talking about how she had this smell in her uh, car, and uh, it seemed to be getting stronger, and she searched all through her car and couldn't figure out what it was. It was, it was something rotten, and she finally, it kept going on, and she finally looked under the seat, and, and there under the seat, there was an apple, and it had entirely just, you know, imploded, disintegrated, into this little black heap. Uh, she had gotten groceries one day, and it must have kind of slipped out of one of the bags, rolled under the seat, and, you know, and then there it was for a month. And I thought, uh, thought about that, that uh, how the world is ripening in iniquity. And you know, if you get fruit and you don't eat it, what happens to it? It, 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 it gets ripe, but then it gets overripe, and it gets brown. And it gets mushy and, and, of course, starts to smell and, and then pretty soon it, it just disintegrates. And what's it good for then? It's, it's not good for anything. You throw it out. And so the world is ripening in iniquity, saints. And, uh, and these things that I have uh, read to you this morning, they may not be very far off. Is your heart ready, brothers and sisters? Have you, are you willing to become as a little child for the sake of our Savior, for your sake, and for the sake of other men? I think that it's possible that if you pray to the Lord, He will uh, allow you to see those things in your lives that uh, you need to get rid of. That you uh, might have that purity, that innocence that a little child has. I'll pray for you.
Our Father who art in heaven, holy, holy, holy is thy name. And Father, thank you for being such a loving Father and offering up thy only begotten Son that uh, through that great and last and infinite sacrifice that we might uh, have that opportunity to come back into his presence one day. And we know this is possible through repentance. And Father, I pray that uh, you might forgive us of our sins. Forgive us of those times in our lives that we haven't given you the reverence and honor that you deserve. And even those times in our worship that we don't give you that honor and reverence that you require. So, Father, please forgive us of these things. And, Father, we're thankful for our brother Eric that has brought those words of counsel that we, to remind us that we are to be like those little children, humble, meek, and full of love. And, Father, oh, how we need that in these days. For we know we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. And so, Father, as we leave here this day, and as we go out into the world and even that spiritual warfare, may you be with us. May we be those little children. And may we have your spirit to be with us. And, Father, this is our prayer in the name of our Lord and Savior who is Jesus Christ, our Redeemer. Amen.